0: Welcome to Radar. This program can be heard at thevinyldistrict.com or anywhere fine podcasts are found. Here is your host, Evan Toth.
1: Jacob Placé is the producer of and a musician in the critically acclaimed Cuban big band Orchestra Aco Khan, and he is my guest on this episode. Jacob and the group found great success with their first self-titled Grammy-nominated album and they've returned with another electrifying set of tunes highlighting and elevating their love of Cuban music, specifically within the Mambo genre. The new LP is titled Sixteen Rayos." Jacob tells us about the dedicated cast of characters involved in this project and he takes us on a deeper dive into what Mambo really is. We also discuss how Placé captured the authentic Mambo sound that was so prevalent in pre-Revolution Cuba and what it was like recording this album on location in the country's famed and state-run Egram Studios. It's curious that in our day and age, a time when we have immediate access to so much culture, that most of us stay focused on the same old familiar performers and genres— when was the last time you really challenged yourself to listen to something out of your comfort zone, perhaps something in another language? Exercises like this are important for any music lover, so if you're due for such a foray, then Orchestra Ako kan might be just what the doctor ordered. And if that's what your doctor ordered, and if that's what your doctor ordered, then you've also got a pretty cool doctor. Welcome to the show, Jacob Placet. Hello, thank you so much for taking some time to hang out with me today. I thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And you've got a great uh, new album out here that you've uh, produced and created with uh, orchestra. Go ahead. You tell me. You're going to have to pr- help me with some pronunciation today. Sure. I'm, I've been making up these things in my head, so I think I know how to pronounce it, <laughs> but I'm not really sure. Go ahead.
0: I feel like whatever in your, is in your head is correct, but it's Orchestra Akokan.
1: Orchestra Akokan, which is how I was pronouncing it in my head. And the new album is called 16 Rayos." Yes. Yes. And are these are. Nice the, roll. I, thank you. I was, yeah. I tried to count all of the rayos here. I don't <laughs> know got to 16, but uh, tell us a little bit about this album that you put together with your, with the group and uh, tell us about the title and just tell us about the the new record. It's great.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, well, it's our second album. Um, 16 Riles refers to rays of light it's part of a Yoruban creation uh, story myth um so but uh, so this album as opposed to the first album had a lot, has lots more I would say folkloric influences it's less like just straight what people think of as mambo um so you know there's things that don't generally get recorded in a popular cuban uh, of that time record like there's a conga Kong rhythms there's some uh, Santeria, Bata uh, songs. Um, we tried to take a sort of left of center approach in a certain way. And we have a bunch of guests. Uh, there's this incredible singer, Tata, who is a, a rumba singer on a bunch of tracks along with Pepito. And then uh, Zio Mara Fernandez, who's like a legendary Cuban um, uh, singer. She sang with Cort- Corteto de Aida, which Omar Portoondo was in at one time. Um, so yeah, the album sort of takes a different approach, I guess, to straight than just straight dance music,
1: right? And uh, um, and you know, with Latin music, sometimes the the micro genres within Latin music. Uh, and, and it's funny, I was, I was. was one of the things I was going to say to you today was, I'm not a Latin music expert, and I'm not a Latin music expert. <laughs> even though the show before this show on WFDU is que Viva, que Viva La Musica, which is a long-running, for 30, 40 years they've been on here in New York City, a long-running salsa program. So I, sure. I always, I've always i listened to a lot of salsa in my day, and I was going through my uh, Discogs, my record collection here, and I was just kind of looking up Latin, and I, I have a ton of stuff. So I really love... Um, I love Latin music. I love, uh, the old cha-cha stuff. Even, uh, I, I love the mambo stuff. And, Mm -hmm. and frankly, when I was listening to this record, I don't know what, which track it was. I meant to make a note, but one of them just hit me like it was the, the West side story mambo moment. You know, it was just so exciting. And you had that, um, you had that electricity happening there on the recording. How do you sort of go about, um, working in the different, uh, Latin music micro genres there
0: right well it's all Cuban music essentially, um which is what we think of as salsa is really Cuban music, so it was just you know i I think as what you get deeper and deeper into something you explore all the nooks and crannies of the style and and seek out different I- ideas and uh, approaches, and there's just you know Cuban music goes on forever, so but like you said it's uh you know taking a sort of um Really trying to respect the original ways these albums were recorded because there's so much life to them, you know, like those cha-cha albums. So that was a big part of um, our approach is, you know, we record everything live and um, we don't, you know, we try to keep it gritty in in a way. Well, you, you know, we tolerate yeah. mistakes.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the album has a, a very earthy, real feeling. And uh, tell me a little bit about the process of recording in Cuba. And I know you, the facility you used was the Egram. Is that, am I pronouncing it? Mm-hmm. Correctly? Yes. Egram Studios, the, 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 it was, it's a state run studio, right? And, and what were you looking for in the sound in this project? How did you kind of, how did you work with the studio to sort of match what you had in mind?
0: Right. Well, I mean, Firstly, it starts with like the musicians, so, you know, the band is so great, um, you know, we've been playing together for a while, but it was, you know, it's about getting everyone in a room together and, um, you know, approaching it as a band rather than recording individual musicians, which right now, you know, is a normal thing if you want to make a salsa record. Most people, you know, they they do part by part, essentially. And even in Cuba, that's sort of the norm. So they were surprised. That we were recording everyone at the same time, but um, in terms of the room, you know, for a band like this, you want you want the sound to really be able to re- reverberate and breathe. So, luckily enough, you know, there's not many studios in Cuba, but they're all sort of these gigantic rooms. Um, especially, you know, the this one isn't um, super old, but it's, it it still has re- really high ceilings. There was like a nice board. I felt like we really captured the. You know, sometimes in a room is too big then the percussion can kind of get lost or washy. So this was sort of, I think the perfect uh, mix of the two.
1: And, and you do catch that live uh, atmosphere. In fact, one of the things, uh, the other thing I thought of was the the Godfather movie. The Godfather is going to be 50 years old this year, but I was thinking of the, uh, well, it's actually the Godfather part two, where they go to Cuba and they're, uh, you know, uh, sort of engaging in the nightlife. And this was pre-revolution Cuba, but right. um, it really brought back that, feel you know i think you captured that sound that dance hall sound and that really r- romantic uh, uh, amazing approach did you did you think about that did you think about the time frame that you wanted to kind of catch
0: well that's sort. i mean i love a lot of different ages of cuban music but there's something special about that era like right before um the revolution where you know like you're saying there's this vibe you know this magic is electricity in the music and i'm sure in the casinos and all these places where you had this fusion of you know folkloric elements but also like the idea of the american jazz band because that's what all these tourists came to hear and these musicians could do both things you know they were they're cubans but they also had to like learn these charts to play in these hotels and they you know and that sort of natural fusion that happened between knowing um traditional music and jazz created this incredible music you know what, what Benny Moré and Paris Prado was doing as well as people like Arsenio Rodriguez and you know I love the stuff that comes after you know in the 70s and I also even like the modern stuff but there's something about this period that's you know iconic and it's like what people just think of as Cuban music essentially right it's like the Buena Vista type of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which which leads me into you know how did you? What's your musical background? How did you sort of find uh, uh, Latin music, or are you are you just a world music guy, or or you know where what are your what are where were some of your paths that led you here musically?
0: Right. So I grew up playing um, salsa in New York because I always love Latin music. I love Eddie Palmieri. I love um, that was like one of the first shows that like really blew my mind is when I did Pomeranian Prospect Park and then you know through the the salsa scene here I st- I started you know there I had this teacher named Nelson Gonzalez and he was like you got to go to Cuba like cuz I played the trace and he's like that's where you know you need to, you need to like understand more than it's it's not just an instrument it's not just like a style it's a comes from a culture essentially so I I, I spent some time in Cuba and so you know I really Tried to immerse myself in the style and, you know, I just wanted to be able to play this music, but then I met, you know, I met Pito and I met Mike in this sort in this thing somehow, which was kind of just like a recording project became like a real band. So the first album was just all of us, you know, us going down to Cuba with some charts and uh, Cesar Lopez put together a bunch of, you know, incredible musicians from all of my like heroes from Manahela Banda and Los Van Van and Chucho Valdez. But the second album is more like, you know, we've now played together for two years and been on the road and there's sort of like a different fluency and cohesion and everyone really gets what we're going for. You know,
1: I get it. I get it.
0: (laughs) Good. (laughs) No, I mean, when we went down there, they were like, you know, this type of music isn't popular in Cuba now, you know, it's, it's like people's it's like your grandfather's music or something. So there's what are these guys doing? But then, You know, when they saw how it was received and then we played and people would, you know, go nuts for this stuff. I think it sort of changed the focus of how they saw it.
1: Right. Was there a hesitancy, a reluctance on on the, uh, you know, like, oh, here come the Americans to do the Cuban thing and or or, you know. or or... Well, luckily (laughs) enough, you know, the
0: Pepito, the lead singer of this band, um, Jose Pepito Gomez, is like a star in Cuba. He was in this band called Pupi Los Que Son Son, um, which is like a trailblazing team act. He, he was like, I mean, he was like, you know, we would walk down the street and people would be like, oh, Pepito. That made it really easy. you right. know. And, you know, I know Pepito, I have a band called Los Hacheros and uh, Pepito sang in that.
1: So we've been friends for a while. This album is out on the Dap Tone label. Was the first yeah. album? The first album was on Dap Tone too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're primarily known for producing modern day soul and funk groups on their label. And how did you connect with them? Uh, what was the path in working with them and how did, how did your audio aesthetic, you know, they have, they, they like to do things analog and uh, you know, how does that kind of connect with your own, your own production techniques?
0: Well, it's, it's funny cause I, I grew up with a lot of the guys adapt when I went to high school with uh, Homer, Oh, Steinweis, who's a drummer, and Nick, Mopchin and Leon Michaels. So I sort of, we, you know, there was this, this common aesthetic of like what sounds cool. Like even from in high school, we sort of had this idea of what's 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 good and what's not. Right. Um, so you know, they pursued this the soul, but I had a similar ideas about Latin music. You know, like I loved the old records, and you know, and and they, and everyone and those guys love it too. You know, especially you know, the guys involved in the Afrobeat bands and, and um, Neil and, you know, Gabe, they, I think they view it, you know, as a, like a sister type of music in a certain way, you know, it's like, you know, music based in the African diaspora, it's dance music, it's like very complex, you know, so they've just been so great about it. Like, they don't want me to, you know, every other time I've ever dealt with a label, they want you to either water it down or it's, it's never, it's, it's always been like, how can you make this even earthier you know so that's been you know really wonderful not to have to try to conform to you know what people what people think sells even though nobody knows what sells until
1: yeah right well and again it brings me back to the sound of the record which uh by the way the vinyl sounds great the the digital recording sound great but the it's a it's a very nice vinyl pressing and it it does have a different you know i think I think sometimes and especially in some of the modern recordings can come across very commercial, uh, very in your face. But this has this has a lot of funk to it and not not funky, not funky (laughs) funk, but it's got funk like it's it's thick. It's it does feel like you um, you were able to sort of accomplish what you want. You know, it feels like you you got to kind of reach the vision you were looking for um how did the other how do the other guys kind of come at you know the other because you have a big group here how do they come at the sound how do they come at like what's their backgrounds do they you know they they get what you're trying to do obviously otherwise they wouldn't be playing with you but but what's sort of the what's sort of the the mood the vibe that you you whenever you do a concert or do a recording that you try to capture
0: well i think you know you put like musicians first like it's not about studio tricks it's you know for this it's about like like the magic of it is is everyone playing together and you know i think oftentimes i I felt like i have to like convince people the the musicians like let's all play together in a room like let's not let's use like tape let's try to go for something a little more um earthy Mm. but with these guys you know i don't know they just got it like they were just like okay let's go let's they were very much they also had a different uh, culture around rehearsing which i found really interesting like because cuban bands are like paid um to rehearse essentially huh. like they you know a couple times a week like there was just this dialogue and fluency among how to how to get a band sounding good which you know even new york sometimes you don't find because you know there it's so much about uh i mean i guess here it is too but you know there's lots of things that exist as recording projects here that aren't ever really played whilst they're like if you're in one of those top bands you're playing like eight eight times a week you know it's like so they're very much about getting the sound together and like phrasing um like breathing is one and it was it was like it was like a masterclass watching you know Cesar and then this one Herman sort of work out the phrasing you know you know Mike, Mike had these incredible arrangements but they really brought it to life and, you know, they had their own take on it.
1: Guajira Del Mar. Guahira, Guahira I, I, I love this song. And, uh, you know, back to sort of the production and sound that you got, I love the risks and, uh, you know, unique take that it has with the guitar and the strings. And it's really an otherworldly track. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and incorporating those elements that you don't always hear? Well, this one is
0: definitely lush because we also had a string section in it, but this one, it was a certain challenge because, you know, Cuban music, South music is always like very ahead of the beat. And we wanted this tune to sound almost more like one of these New York tunes from like the 60s or 70s where where like the percussion is kind of like draggy and it's more about like the vibe than like making people dance, you know? Um, so we had like, you know, I had them listen to like a bunch of like Willie Cologne stuff, um, just the idea of like, that was this one was a challenge because it was about that it was about like holding back you know right. which is not um, something the band does a lot so I think that sort of is, is the feeling and you know when we when you when you're able to take a step back and then layer these elements it creates um, like like hopefully what you said like a, like a real different sort of atmosphere you know um, and I think also you know Mike was. Pepito wrote these like really beautiful lyrics, so I think Mike was was really inspired too in the arrangement. And also, um, speaking of the the the, the percussion on this album, I think is really incredible. It's, it's a father and a son. Oh, um, the, fa- the the dad uh, Roberto Vizcaino you know, it was like is a legend in Cuban music himself. He played in Chucho Valdez's band, but his kid is unbelievable. He's like I think he's twenty one or twenty two but it takes a real maturity to be able to hold a band together in that, when you're, when you're trying to like um, pull the tempo down and the two of them just lock it in a certain way that made everyone else's job so easy.
1: It's like when siblings sing together, they, they create this weird, uh, they, nobody sings together as well as siblings do. No, they have
0: this, they have like their own little percussion language. And, you know, Roberto was telling us how like he started with his tata, tato, sorry, when he was two years old, just singing and playing phrases back and forth to each other. So,
1: right. yeah, yeah, you gotta start start him young.
0: Start him young. <laughs> uh,
1: you've worked with artists like Cardi B and Lee Fields and uh, Rachel Platt, and how, how do you how do you feel sort of uh, uh, hopping around genres uh, and and back again too? I'd love to hear more about you know just musical influences for yourself. I've like, you know,
0: I live in New York. I've learned how to do a bunch of different things to sort of, you know, pay the bills or whatever. Right. But this is like, this. Is, if it was up to me, I would just do this because I think it's, it's, it's uh, you know, music at the highest level. Of, it's like, to me, it's like jazz or classical music and it always seems to somehow get short shrift. And like, you know, it's a lifetime to like, you know, I, I still feel like I've so, as a player, I have so far to go in terms of just being able to do like these simple things correctly, you know, in the way that, you know, Nelson Gonzalez does or Arsenio Rodriguez. And I feel like there's this legacy, you know. Um, and I'm honored to be like, I feel like, you know, part of it in this way because I get to introduce people to it. So I feel like my main job is to, like get better and learn more about it you know, and go deeper. So like, you know, I do all these, uh, like you mentioned, I play and I produce and I, I write and I do, you know, things for brands or whatever. But, you know, this is what what matters to me, you know, and, and also because of like certain, you know, political or cultural things has, you know, sort of shelved this music for, for whatever reason. So I feel really blessed to be able to, uh, sh- you know, share it. And, you know, we're going to go on the road soon and to play this live and you know you know the records are great too but when you see the band live i think is when you really get it you really get
1: it that brings up an interesting point too uh, you know in this day and age of uh, the 21st century and the internet there's you know we can get our hands on anything we want yeah. we can get it streaming and and records that were so rare 30 years ago that you couldn't you know you you couldn't get your hands on now are just like bloom right in front of you but this particular music that you're exploring given given the political as you say the, the 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 political roadblocks that were in the way uh between uh between Cuba's communism and and uh our, you know our different countries this is not a music that was particularly really available it's really a, a little bit of an untapped resource if you if you think about it am i am i on the right track here jacob totally i mean when we
0: when i did this i was like I like this, but I don't think anyone else is going to like this. Cause I've never heard anyone listen to this. I mean, I've heard like, you know, aficionados, some people, but I, I really didn't have much hope. I was doing it cause man, I get to go to Cuba with Pepito Gomez and make a Mambo record. Of course I'm going to do this. This is, you know, but it's, it was surprising to me how much people just got it and like um, really, really reacted to it. And I think, you know, and like, this is going to sound like a luddite or fuddy duddy thing but what back to you said about like record collecting and stuff you know like i don't know if i had access to everything i would have like glommed on to like the two or three cds i had that like i listened to constantly and changed my life like if i can just stream anything you know maybe i wouldn't have done that and i think maybe that's a certain loss too because when you only ha- when you like when you have something you listen to all the time because that's what you have you know that's like your collection like you you learn it in this different you know way i, I this jazz teacher i remember and he told me when he was growing up he had two records or something and he knew every single solo on every one of the, on those records and he knew, you know and there's something about absorbing something on that level that you know and also have you know when you have a record you listen to it in a different way than when you know you listen to a different playlist for the rest of your life on Spotify.
1: Right. You go you go deep rather than wide. Right. Exactly. (laughs) But Jacob, I listen to every single one of these records every night. (laughs) Every single one. I know them all inside. No, No. I believe you. That was
0: but that was sort of my point. Like there's something about the physicality of it where you you know, or just you know, having a limit (laughs) that makes well you're right.
1: and we're the same age, you know, and I had a hundred CDs too, and I knew them all backwards and forwards. And that was <laughs> great. That was great back then. And then now, now we're like, I'm, you know, I open up my uh, streaming thing, which I love too, but I'm like, I don't know what to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What were some of your uh, favorite albums uh, growing up? Just curious, a, a couple of uh, a couple of records and they, they don't have to be uh you know, uh, la- Latin music or anything, but well, future- I mean, a
0: record that really changed my life. Um, I always screw up the name of this, but it's called Grupo Folklorico Experimental Nuevo Yorkino. Um, it's sort, it's like kind of like it's a. It was um, produced and organized by the Andy Andy Gonzalez and his brother Jerry. And these are, I mean, it's it's two CDs. I think it's it comes from a couple of different sessions, but the the groove on those records is just unbelievable. And the way it's recorded, it all sounds great. And it's just like a picture of New York, Latin music. That's just, it's, it, it, that's like my, my favorite record. Um, And I learned a lot of the parts and, you know, I listened to it constantly. And uh, my guy, Nelson Gonzalez is on Trace killing it. Um, And then, you know, I, I, then I got really into Arsenio Rodriguez and, you know, there's, I guess, you know, I, I had CDs that were sort of compilations because they had released singles. And he, you know, his approach and it, it, the way he structured his music, I think, you know, he sort of, he kind of created Salsa and then wasn't given any credit in a certain way, like the format. And those records are just really incredible. So um, I, I would say those two, I, I don't know that, you know, the Arsenio Rodriguez is sort of just a collection, but the group of Folklore Go albums. Those really uh, changed my life, and I love Elise and Tom. But that, that's a, uh, you know, that's not uh, Cuban music. No, yeah, but and then, yeah, and I guess the Benny Murray stuff, because so I wasn't even that into Benny Murray for a long time because I just heard covers of his music, sort of that you know that sometimes were a little kitschy. But when I heard the real stuff, you know that you know, that's sort of the 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 uh, where Akokan comes from in a way
1: right it's funny we're doing this i was uh, shopping a few weeks ago and um i one of my thrift stores that i that i like to go to and i found a bunch of uh seven inch 45s all uh all peruvian they were all peruvian and uh, they, oh, cool. they weren't really cuban i mean they were peruvian pressings, so some of the things could have been uh you know cuban they were they were from you know some of them were argentinian but they all just were peruvian pressings but It was like, uh, I said, I just have to buy all these and see what's going on here. And some of them are really cool. I mean, there's, you know, you, you, I, it's just a modern day mentality where you're like, well, how did anybody even record music 40 years ago? (laughs) How how do they know how to do that? But I mean, they did it and they did it better in some ways than we're doing it now. And they, they were incredibly, um, uh, you know, nuanced and all kinds of interesting things that you just weren't, you know, you don't expect. And and again, I think it's this, it's the stereotypical modern, modern day person, you know, behavior like, well, the, the, you know, where everything is just so figured out now, but no, it, it's not. They, they they knew 60 years ago what they were doing. Yeah, I'm not
0: sure what you bought, but a lot of, you know, maybe it's the chicha stuff, but that stuff is it's such a vibe there's, there's you know, it's so much fun and they take such chances and, you know, what's sort of interesting about Peruvian music and a lot of uh, is how they took Cuban music and combined it with their own thing. Right. Like, you know, like, especially some, like, um, you know, if you look at like a bachata also comes from so so you know, Cuban music sort of spread out in this way that influenced that all these other cultures took and created their own style with. I'm really into cumbia these days and like I can hear Betty Moray in like the old cumbia records.
1: You know. Right. Well, uh back to the album. Are there any other uh you got a you got a favorite track on the on the record that you really uh connect with that you love? Um
0: love the whole thing. I mean my, I think the the to me the the burner is the 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 Mikonga's dakokan But my favorite song is probably Quattro de Octubre because it's so weird. So the
1: first two <laughs> oh, okay yeah well there you go see and everybody can sample those first two and <laughs> they'll know they'll know right away that it's a great record i feel like there was a time and again back to i think we're a similar age but there was a time when we were younger that world music uh, was very popular. You know, there was this world music music moment. David Byrne did a lot, uh, bringing a lot of world music to uh, to the mainstream and everything. And uh, you feel like, um, at least I feel like, in this international, globalized 21st century, there should be more of it. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we're moving towards it a little bit more, uh, appreciating music from uh, other countries. What do you think? Do you have an opinion on this?
0: Yeah, I, I think I just formed an opinion while you were talking. But I think it's sort of like two strains I think there's like this one urge to make everything sound the same you know whether it's like everything needs to sound like trap music or like um J Balvin right you know where you know that's what everyone's just trying to do and then but the other strain is where people are like really diving deep and trying to figure out every aspect of this of, of, of where this music has come from and create music that honors it um but but does it in a modern way you know I think of Another uh, Daptone band like Antibalas, you know, there's like a combo lula or combo chumbito in New York. Like all everyone, I think, takes it really seriously in a way that maybe they didn't as much when it was world music. Where like I always hear people like combining things. I'm like, what are you doing? And now I feel like I don't know, like people. Under are trying to understand where things come from better before they create fusions of some sort or other. I don't know. I, I feel like things are getting more tasteful in a certain way.
1: Mm. And I think also... Uh, I'm sure somebody
0: in 20 years is going to be like, that Akko Khan record, Jesus Christ. But
1: <laughs> you know. well, I think, as I said, in this day and age of having everything at our fingertips, people are looking for something new, authentic, real you know something yeah. that they that they weren't able to dig their 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 fingers into uh, 30 years ago and I think albums like this project and your your group and this album are are doing that and and it's a beautiful thing thank you you're very welcome so what's next for you guys I know we're stuck in this weird pandemic world but what's yeah. uh, what's next on the schedule for you guys
0: well we're gonna um, we're going on tour somehow or other there is I mean, in normal times, it's like, you know, you, you have to, pre, you pray to the, the the gods of embassies and uh, air, airlines that everything works out, right. but now there's a whole lo- other level with vaccines and vaccine and whatever. It's going to be really tough, but I have faith, you know, and we're, we're planning on going to be here and, uh, you know, doing some gigs around uh, the States in April and May, and then hopefully go to Europe. Because, like I said, I think, you know, I, I feel like this album is incredible, but there's something about seeing a band like this live, you yeah. know? You know, and I think, you know, for us, there's no real option of, like, live streaming. Like, we have to play in front of, you know. <laughs> right. There's too many of us.
1: Live electricity. I'd love to see you guys myself.
0: Yeah. But we have a big tour planned, and it's, it's going it, to happen, and it's going to be great.
1: I want to come to the Cuban shows. I want to see the real deal. <laughs>
0: If, if these guys get here, it'll be the real deal. I promise. <laughs> well, we okay. can be playing in a Dunkin' Donuts and it will be a real deal.
1: I believe you. I believe you. Anywhere else online, anywhere, any people should find out about you or this project or anything? Uh,
0: Orchestacocon.com, Instagram, Orchestacocon. We're posting all the time. Um, yeah, follow us and you know, you'll know when we're somewhere nearby so that you can come check us out
1: jacob congratulations on this record congratulations oh, thank you so much and on your on your you got a very interesting uh, career and i uh, look forward to uh keeping in touch and hearing more about what you've got going on thank you hope
0: to see you at a live show in the spring god willing in cuba <laughs> in cuba <laughs> there you go radar is produced by evan toth in partnership with wfdu 89.1 fm and the vinyl district You can hear radar on WFDU 89.1 FM or anytime online at thevinyldistrict.com.